Good morning. Is that on? All right, good. Um, uh, just a, a quick update on what Pastor Steve was saying about Cambodia. I just heard uh, we're about halfway there. So if you are kind of thinking about it, the deadline is actually next week. So just keep praying, listening to God, and uh, just uh, go ahead and contribute. Um, my, uh, my wife likes some of these HGTV shows. Uh, I'm not so into HGTV shows. Actually, I'm not really into TV that much in general, but um, she likes some of those, like the fixer-upper ones, you know, the ones where they take the buildings that are decrepit or whatever, and then they, like, have the big reveal, and they do it. Um, the only part of that I actually like is the, like, five minutes or less of the reveal. The rest of it, I'm like, ah, who cares? I don't, you're building something. I don't, I don't whatever. But the reveal part is actually like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. But sometimes if you come in at the wrong point, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in another room, and she's watching, and I'm like, oh, I hear, I come in, and, you know, there's always laughing or crying or something. You know, I'm like, oh, what's going on? Oh, it's just a show. Um, and then, you know, but the thing is, if I come in at the wrong time where I see, you know, I missed the before, you just come in, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a nice house, I guess, you know. But when you see, they're like, oh, hey, this is what it was, and this is what it is now, then you're like, oh, wow, like, that's, that's like a big difference. You're like, they, they really did stuff there, even if it doesn't look like so mind-blowing. When you see the before and after, you're like, oh, wow, that's actually quite a big difference. And uh, today, we're actually going to be looking at what happens to us and the difference of before and after of us coming to Christ, of those of us who've decided we are going to follow after Jesus and how there's actually should be a before and after moment. And so we're going to actually look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to kind of pick up the first, uh, first 14 verses or so there in this chapter. But uh, if you want to, you can turn there on your devices or on, in your Bibles. But um, as you do that, I just want to give a bit of a context to what's going on here because we're jumping into chapter 6 in Romans. This is a letter, it's a story of what's happening. And really what's been preceding this is kind of the before uh, description if you will, of like, a, like in an HDTV show, where Paul is, is describing what our lives are like before Christ. And he's talking about how no one is righteous, that everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that no one understands God, no one seeks God, how we are dead in our transgressions. This is a lot of what the first chapters of, of Romans is all about, is unpacking how kind of dead and lost in our sin we as, as humans are. And so he's unpacking all that. And then part of unpacking that is describing that because we're so lost, that we need a Savior, that we need Jesus, and that He is the only way through this. And so he's been unpacking all of that and how because of Christ's death and His resurrection, there's grace for us. And that no matter how much sin you have, that grace is sufficient to meet all of that. And so he's unpacking all of this beautiful language. And then we get here to chapter 6, verse 1. And this is what it says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. What, what Paul is saying here is he's trying to unpack for people. He's trying to get them to understand. He's saying, look, now that you have Christ, now that you have decided to follow Jesus, you have fundamentally been changed. Who you are has been transformed. You are not the same as you used to be. When he describes what our state is before Christ, he says that we are dead in our sin. That that's where we are. We're stuck. We're like dead people. That's where we're at. We have no capacity for life in that state. That is where we're at. But now he says, actually, what has happened to you, now that you have given yourself to Jesus, trusted in Jesus, now you are not dead in sin. He says, now you are dead to sin. It's like not just like a one, it's like a completely different situation here. We are not dead in our sin. We are now dead to our sin, which means what? How can we sin any longer? He's trying to get us to understand this picture that something has radically been transformed. Radically been transformed in who we are. It's a, so it should be like a complete change that you notice completely that without like a hesitation, like, oh, wow, this is, this is different. Something is completely different now. Because once I was dead in my sin and now I am dead to sin. So now I am free. Now, the thing is, if you, I hear you, I'm saying that. I know a lot of us in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I get that supposedly like a theological truth that I'm supposed to believe, but we're all still sinners, right? Actually, if you read Romans 7, Paul talks about this. He talks about how, yeah, we still sin. There's a struggle. There's all these things that are happening. That's part of our life story. But here's the difference. From what we understand from what Paul is even saying here is before Christ, sin has dominion over us, which basically means you can't help yourself. That before Christ, you are going to sin and you have no choice but to sin and you will choose sin every time. That is the life that we will live, that we are in that place before Christ. But after Christ, we have died to sin with Christ that, that identification with Jesus has happened. And so therefore, because of that, the power, the dominion, the rule of sin in your life has been broken. It's been 
changed. It's been altered. It no longer holds you. When it says the words there of slaves to sin, he uses this language very purposely to say, you used to have no option. But now you do. And it's because of the death that we identify with in Jesus. Now, part of why we're talking about all this is next week we're having a baptism service. We're doing this. And there's the talk about the baptism that we have in Christ and all these things. And part of what baptism is is really an identification and an outward symbol of what has happened to us internally. That as we've given our life to Christ, as we trusted in Him, that these things have actually happened. And so part of why we even do an immersion baptism, which just basically means we actually put you in the water, is it's this idea of saying, hey, as we go in the water, we are being buried with Christ. And as we come back up, we're, we're alive in Christ. So the, the point of this is that if we have truly died to sin, then sin's power has been broken. If we have truly died to sin, then we don't actually have to sin any longer. And that is a reality that has been given to us through Christ. That is who we are now. So before we had to do it, and now we are free to choose not to do it. This is really important because I have talked to so many people, and I've lived through my own life in this way, where when we don't get this peace then we live as people defeated. We live as if we are still dead in our sins, and oh yes, I need a Savior, and thank you God that you saved me, but then the next moment we're like, but I'm still just a sinner, and I can't live in victory, and I can't live in freedom, and I have no choice because I'm just a human that sins, and this is a lot in life, so I guess I'm just going to be a sinner. But this is exactly what Paul is saying. No, you have died to sin as you identify with Jesus and His death, This has happened. It has taken place. And so that sort of idea, that sort of language is antiquated. It's what used to be. It's how it used to be for you. Like in those HGTV shows, like that was your house. It's no longer your house. You know, usually like they change the whole kitchen and everything. It's like if somebody came in and was like, actually, my kitchen used to be there, so I'm going to go here and fry eggs. But you're like, well, there's there's no kitchen here. Like that's what it used to be. But now it's over here. So we have died to sin in Christ, in His death. He has granted to us this so that as we identify with Him in His death, we recognize that we've also died to sin. And there is power in that. There is beauty in that. And then the thing is, we have to sort of own that. We have to believe in that. Or it doesn't really have a lot of impact. Because if you still think that, no, I'm still a slave to sin, then you live as a slave to sin, even if you don't need to. Paul actually says this later at the, or what I was just reading, where he says, do not offer yourselves to sin or your body as instruments of sin. We do this when we believe we haven't died to sin. Then we constantly just offer ourselves, our actions, our thoughts to sin in a way that now sin has reigned in us. But it doesn't have to. It is our choice to either offer it or not because of the saving grace of Christ and the death that we have in Him. And so what we see here in this idea of transformation is the first thing we really got to understand is that we have died to sin in Christ. That is a done deed that has happened as we've given Him our lives. Now the second thing that we see here is that Paul says, not only are you dead to sin, 
But now that you're dead to sin, you're alive in Christ. Right? This is, so we go, okay, here's kind of a negative thing, like, all right, we're dead to this. But, no, but now you have life. You've been given new life in Jesus Christ that is yours for the taking. It's yours for the living. It is here for you. So just as we died with him, we know that we will also live with him. And so with that comes a whole newness of life that is only found in Christ. And this is how we are then to live, not as we used to live, but as those who have now been dead and made new to live a life for Christ that is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so God has made us new. That's what this is all about. He says, look, I've given you myself. In uh, first, no, Second Corinthians, actually, it says, um, yes, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so those who have called on his name, those who have decided to believe in him, he says, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, the thing that I wonder with this is, it's not that these are all probably new words for many of us. But my question for us to think through as we're thinking about this is, how are we actually living? Are we living as those who have died to sin, been, been transformed and renewed, and have a new life, been made new, and are living as new creations in Jesus, full of the freedom and the grace and the mercy that comes through Christ, full of the hope and the joy that comes through Jesus. Is that how we are living, or are we living still as people who are bound? Are we living as if we are still dead in our transgressions? Because if we are living that way, then we have not recognized, first, like I said, our death to sin. But secondly, then we have not embraced the victory that comes through Jesus. That there is a newness in life. This is part of why we love baptism services, because it's not just about, oh, here's a, uh, a ritual or something. It's we are celebrating the stories of people who have come from death to life, people who have recognized, man, I was something, and now because of Christ, I am something new, and I have a new chance, a new life, a new way to live for Jesus, with Jesus, by Jesus, through the power of His Spirit at work in me. And this is a beautiful thing and a beautiful picture that we have new life. I want you all to know this, that you, you have that life. It's offered to you in Christ. Now, if you've never received Christ, then it's still available for you. All you have to do is believe in Him, believe that you were dead in your transgressions and that you need Him to save you, and then you can have Him. And you can have the new life. And for those of us who might be like me, who grew up in the church, you've been saved a long time. If we're honest... Sometimes it feels like that new life kind of faded somewhere along the way. And we're kind of just living this life. We're kind of like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And I think sometimes we forget all the beauty and all the wonder and all the blessings that comes through identifying with a new life in Christ. That who we are has fundamentally been changed. And that we, through the life offered in Christ, now have an opportunity and a choice to instead of live 
in sin to live for Christ, to live holy and righteous. In 1 Peter, it says that we are to be holy as he is holy. That is possible now through Christ, that we have this opportunity to live in a way that is only available. Because he said, I have a new life for you. That I've done a new work in you, that I have fundamentally changed you inside and out. And not only that, but he's given us his own spirit within us to empower us to live this new life. See, I think part of the problem is this. When we talk about new life, especially depending on how you were raised or where you were raised, people said, okay, you're now new. You can't do any of those old sin things, right? And so then what we were taught is, hey, you just have to like grit your teeth and bear it and like work harder and make sure you don't do any of those evil things. That's what a lot of us were taught. But that's not actually what this says. It says actually we're dead to sin and new in Christ. Actually, what Jesus desires is that you offer yourselves up to him, receive his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit within us empowers us to live the new life so that actually we become less sinful over time as we become more holy and full of his Spirit. So it's his work transforming us constantly, giving us new life, constantly making us new that makes us Live out this new life. But if we've been trying to do it on our own, it's just not possible. And so what seems like what was told to us was supposed to be a new life actually becomes something of a, of a despairing because like I can't do it, I can't attain it, I can't live up to it, but that's not what these words say. It, it reminds me of, um, I remember I was in high school and we, we uh, went to a rock climbing wall and it was fun. We, I don't really know how to rock climb, but, you know, you just try your best. And I, don't, I didn't have any kind of form. So we did some rock climbing, and I did a bunch, and I think I was using my arms way too much, and all my arms got really heavy, and I was really tired, and I got really tired. It was close to the end, and then another friend was like, we should have a race. And I thought, I don't even know if I can, like, lift my arms again, but I was competitive enough, so I thought, sure, I'll race. So then he, who is much better at rock climbing than me, was like, okay, we're going to go rock climb. And, you know, they have people who belay you, and the, the teacher, who is this really fit guy, was my person belaying me, and he was also very competitive. So he's yelling, like, oh, we got to win, we got to win. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm pretty tired. So we start going, and I'm going as fast as I can, and I got maybe, like, five feet in the air, and I'm like, I can't even, like, lift my arms anymore. Like, I literally cannot lift my, I'm just like, uh, I can't do it. And the guy is just, like, you know, schooling me so bad. So then my... My teacher over here was like, he, he's like, oh, I'm not taking no for an answer. So he literally just starts physically hauling me up the wall, just like pulling me up because he, he's big enough to do this. So I just start shooting up the wall. And I'm like, okay, but I'm literally just, I'm just I'm along for the ride because I can't even lift my arms. See, this is actually more what new life in Christ looks like. We can't lift our arms. You can't do it. The wall is impassable. But the Holy Spirit inside you comes along and says, I got it, and just starts hauling you up. That's more what this is like. But when you don't believe it, he doesn't force it. When you don't believe it's there for you, and you don't come to him and say, Holy Spirit, please, I don't have enough I can't make this wall. You don't say it. When you just sit there and go, I'm going to do it, but I can't do it, and woe is me, and this is it, and then you don't look to Jesus. He says, I'm right here. 
I'm ready to pull you. And you're just like, I guess this is my life now. I think that's the picture for so many of us living our Christian lives is we're on like that rock wall. He's waiting to pull us up, but we won't ask him to do it. And so instead of experiencing new life in Christ, we see other people who seem to be experiencing it and we just get despairing because we thought, I don't know why I can't do that. There must be something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. What's wrong with you is what's wrong with everybody else. We don't have the capacity, but he does. We are to be new in Christ. New creations. The old has gone. The new has come. That's what this is all about. Who you are has fundamentally changed. Whether you feel it completely or not, it has been accomplished on the cross. And so there's a before and there's after. And we might still be a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. But as far as what has fundamentally, spiritually happened inside of you, that's done already. He died for you to make you dead to sin and alive to Him in Christ. That has been accomplished. And if you have received Him, it's a true reality of what has taken place. And so we need to be those who understand that and begin to live into our freedom in Jesus Christ. To allow His Spirit to propel us to live that new life. And not just constantly be stuck. Because sin's power has been broken. We like to say that, we like to sing that, but I think sometimes either we don't think of what we're singing, or sometimes we sing it like, dream like I guess I mean that sounds nice that's never going to happen no it is a reality purchased through the blood of Christ for you and for me and as we continually seek his face and allow his spirit to transform us more and more so that we're ever increasingly reflecting his glory it's a reality that you and I can experience with ever increasing amounts of victory in Christ because of who Jesus is because of his death, that we die with him, and because of the fact that he rose again to life, that we rise again with him. And so as we do baptism in a week, that's what it's all about. We die with him, and all the beauty that means death, all the sin, all the ugliness that dies with him, is buried with him, it's gone. And when we come out of that water, it's a raise to life saying, I am now a new creation. I am new in Christ. And I am able to live new in Christ because His Spirit is within me, transforming me, doing the work that needs to be done until He comes again. That is our story. That is who we are. But we have to choose into that. So, for for instance, this this past week, um, it's been a very good but very busy couple of months. And I found myself this past week just really drained. Um, not necessarily a super, uh, because of bad reasons, just really drained. But when we're in really drained states, that's when we're often the most susceptible to sin or other things, right? And I remember being there on this Monday, being there, feeling, man, I am so drained right now. And in that moment, I could hear like two options in my head. 
One option is, oh, here's all the things of the world, all the things of sinful temptations or other things. Here's all these things that I know. Like, these might bring me relief. These might bring me joy. These might bring me rest. And they're there and they're running in my head and they're all here and I can hear them and I can see them and I could be like, oh, yes, that used to be things that I would do more often. And then I also just heard in my head God saying, or you can rest in me. Or you can trust that I'm sufficient for you and I will see you through. One's an old way. And one's a new way of trusting in Christ and his spirit to do what I cannot do in me. Thankfully, I can say at least this week, I decided let's go with the new way. And God's been good. But I think that's what happens in our life all the time. The old way constantly whispers to us or maybe shouts in our ears. Just do this. But there's a new way of a life in Christ. Because you're new in him. That is available for each and every one of us. So this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to pray here in a moment. We're going to do communion in a moment here. Um, and I'll go ahead and just invite the worship team back up. But uh, this. For some of you, if you're in this room and you've never, ever decided to put your life in Jesus' hands, if you've never decided to follow him uh, to receive the new life that is found in Christ, I just want to invite you to do that this morning, um, to come up maybe and pray with somebody or, or just where you're at, to just say, I, I can't do this on my own and I need you. I need you to save me from my sins and I trust in you and you can do that. I want to invite you to do that. And I want you to invite you, if that's where you're at this morning, to, to come and tell somebody, myself or somebody else, anyone in this room, that you did that. But for a lot of others of us, I know in this room, we've made that decision a long time ago. But I believe for many of us, the newness has been gone. I believe for a lot of us, we're like me as a kid. We're on that rock wall and we don't see any way that I'm getting up this, getting up this wall. And you need to be reminded this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to do it for you. Holy Spirit wants to empower you. Holy Spirit wants to fill you. He wants to make you new. And so, for others of you, I just want to invite you into this process this morning where you could pray and even come to receive prayer for, the, for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. To make you new. To change in you what you can't change on your own. So we're going to have people up here praying. If you want to have prayer to just receive and just say, hey God, I need more of your spirit in me because I can't do this. Just have somebody pray it over you. Because if we're honest, we're in that place, we're stuck on that wall. We don't even have the words to say to move forward. That's part of why we pray over one another because others can listen to God on your behalf and pray over you the words of Scripture, the words of truth, the words that we even just said, that it is true that it has happened. So I want to invite you into this. And even if you don't feel like you need prayer this morning, as we come up in a moment to take communion, 
This is His death and resurrection. It's what He's done for us. That when, when He was betrayed, that He was broken and His body was pierced and He shed His blood and He died for us. This is what we're remembering. But the reality of this, why we celebrate this, is that this is newness of life for you and me. And so as we take communion this morning, I would love for us to come not necessarily as those defeated, not coming all somber and, and solemn, but to come as those who are receiving again the fullness and the richness of new life that is only found through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So as we come, we come worshiping, we come acknowledging, we come embracing the new life that we have in Jesus. That as we take, we're remembering that, we're declaring that even to our own selves, because sometimes we need to do that. We need to declare to our own selves, I am made new in Christ. No matter what I feel this moment, I am new in Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to give us a moment. Just ponder where you're at. What do you need to do in just a moment? And then I'll pray and I'll open up communion and we'll, we'll dive into this time and the whole sort of rest of the service will just be an open time of response for you to respond. What is God speaking on your heart right now? Jesus, I just pray for us this morning. I pray for those who've never said yes to you. I just pray that they would say yes to you today. They'd realize that they don't have it on their own. That There's no way we can do it on our own. That's okay because you want to do it. God, for those of us who feel like we've been stuck on that wall for so long. Oh, Spirit of God, would you help us to come and receive you afresh this morning? Would you come and help us to trust in you in ways we maybe never have trusted in you? And would we embrace our new life in Christ this morning, would we see the before and after of our souls that you have accomplished for us, Jesus, and would you do a work in us this morning? God, would you give us courage to ask you? Would you give us courage to trust you? Would you give us courage to believe that you've given us freedom, that you've given us victory, that we can live in that through the power of your Spirit? Would we believe that this morning? And would this be a, a moment in time for some of us where we begin to embrace and live out that newness in Christ? That we can say the old has gone and the new has come. Would we live into that in new ways today? And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's my shed blood for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Every time you do this, you proclaim my death until I come. This is our new life offered for you and me. So I just invite you now as you feel led, as we sing, sing a couple of songs. Come, embrace your new life in Christ. Celebrate the Lord's table Come get prayer as you need prayer. But we just open this whole time to you as we sing.
encounter the living God and his new life for you.